Welcome to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. Your host is Andy Ford, one of today's leading innovators. Our show is about how ideas and technology come together to form the most buzzed about products of the 21st century. Specifically, what goes into the thought process of these innovations and the channels they go through to get to the marketplace. Now, here is Andy Ford. Welcome to Innovation Insiders. Uh, my name is Andy Ford. You are co- we're coming to you live from Brados HQ here in beautiful downtown St. Louis, Missouri. I almost mean that this time. It's almost <laughs> almost pretty right now. It's April and uh, God has forsaken us. It is cold and things are awful. And but I'm sitting here with two colleagues. It makes it warm and sunny inside this tiny little booth. I'm here with Diane Schumacher and I'm here with Jeff Barry. Hi guys. Hello. Good afternoon. So welcome to our or good morning or good, good day, morning. Or wherever you wherever are. Wherever you are, whatever time of day it is. And this so this well. is the culmination of the pilot season for us. And so if you joined us last week for our first episode of part two, we talked about some of those uh, things that caught us off guard, some of those things that we expected to hear uh, and heard, some of those things we didn't expect and, and got in return. And so we had an active listening drill against all 11 episodes that we had and really gave us a chance to dive in deep and think about our guests and what innovation stories they had and what it meant to them. So Thanks for joining us for our second episode that concludes this pilot season. Once again, we're not available today via email live. However, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can feel free to send us an email at innovation at brado.net. You can follow me on Twitter at AFord, or you can follow us on Twitter, Brado at uh, Brado Insight. So once again, uh, we've got a a really good full-packed show for us today, and I want to kick off with one of those things that I think we've had a chance to banty around quite a bit was favorite show moments. And quotes. And quotes. And so, uh, Diane, I shall start with you. Is it what was meant at one moment that really stood out to you? It was really pretty cool. Do I have to do one? (laughs) I honestly have three. (laughs) As usual, I have a lot to say, but... You know, I think part of it was the whole Mitch Meyer learning about cannabis Mm. and understand. She called it the new Internet. And I never really thought of it that way, but it's at its infancy and it's really exciting. And there's all these nooks and crannies and things that are happening. And then she hit it with this one quote that said, you know, all those moms in the parking lot at, at the carpool parking lot have a vape pen in their pocket and a couple of gummies. <laughs> I mean, how do you beat a conversation like that? That was, uh, was that, and I, the minute Mitch said that, I remember that moment as clear as a bell, is I honestly pictured that drive through for school. I mean, like pickup for school. Is that, that's that yoga pant wearing mom who's That's sitting right. there and just taking a little edge off or you know that uh, what was the uh, what's the sativa or the indica like those different strains that we yep. kind of talked about which one is the one that calms you down i don't honestly was it sativa i can't remember which one does what but the idea of it being part of a, a morning ritual which, yeah which we heard a lot about like you know I, I do this i get up i do my hair i have coffee and then oh. and then i you know I get on my vape pen or whatever it is I'm going to do. So. But it was about finding that feeling of choice. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which was just. Well, and the cool mind. thing about it is the innovation in the space, the vaping of yep. or the gummies in the cannabis space allow that moment to happen yeah. 
almost you know without anybody knowing it's happening you're driving away and you're and you pop a gummy or you're doing it so it's the innovation in the space because you wouldn't be able to do that because you'd look like Cheech and Chong going down the street, you know, ten <laughs> years ago. Car. Right, right, but, yes. but a gummy, right? It's a gummy is a. You know what's interesting? That reminds me of Val Toothman's interview too. Is when she talked about like chasing that mood, mm-hmm. looking for that enhancement. I think we've heard that a couple of times. Is that the mood or the enhanced moment is something that I think a lot of companies are trying to deliver. Right. On, and well, and I think not just trying to, are actually delivering. On so that was a, that was a key moment. I, I love that interview. It was. It was. And think about you know brands like Corona who went from just a, a clear bottle Mexican beer by putting a lime in it, creating this ritual. Right. They created this experience. So there's all these things going on right now in the innovation world that are so exciting. But you think about creating experiences. This this cannabis story just blew my mind. You know the funny thing about <clears throat> those vapes. You know, for example, is that when you look at those things, I mean, and I forget one of the companies we visited in San Francisco was that clean looking, it looked like something Apple produced. I mean, it was a classy Bloom. Bloom. Was it Bloom Farms? Yep, Bloom Farms. I mean, that you wouldn't, first of all, I wouldn't have known that was a vape. No, me neither. Until you said, look, that's got a concentrate in it and this is what it does and delivers. I mean, it is a, it's it's in home in an Hermes bag, a coach bag, <laughs> sitting inside right. uh, a BMW or SUV. It doesn't look out of place and des- at all. And designed to look like that, right? Designed to fit that moment, too. Yeah. yeah. The gold and the rosé colors. Really pretty cool. Yeah. Really. No, by the way, we are not sponsored by Bloom Farm <laughs> no, at all. No. It was just a moment in the show. So. That's right. Not that we would turn it down. <laughs> Let's jump that opportunity I mean, there. Yeah, I don't want to cut it off. No, no. <laughs> so, no. Jeff, how about you? What's been one of those favorite moments? Uh, you know, I love the I love stepping back from this and thinking about the the culture of innovation or what innovators go through on a daily basis and kind of peeling that layer back. And and Rose, when we interviewed Rose, she's, she talked about what innovation is and what innovation is not. Mm. And too often, innovators get you know stigmatized as just these crazy people who are coming up with just wacko ideas. And she was really clear. And she said, you know, innovation is about fundamental change for the better. It's not just about changing something because you can change it. And I think the example you're just giving about making that cannabis experience better or making the beer drinking experience different, creating a different vibe is what she was talking about because she said it's about product, culture, and process. Mm -hmm. And the innovation is about making those fundamental changes to those things that make your life better. And it was that last piece that I really latched onto and said, that's what people need to understand about innovation is we're not just trying to do crazy things and do the what most unique thing we can. We're trying to change for the better. So I just came from a client meeting and it's funny we're thinking about this. It's like, you know, we do these projects, you know, and here at Brado, there's a number of clients that we work with uh, from pharmaceutical to pet care to <clears throat> beer to cannabis. We're all across the board. Uh, and whether we're looking for an insight or trying to find that behavior or mood to tap into, it seems to me that we're always pursuing the tension, the problem, mm-hmm. the issues. And, and not that that's a bad thing at all, but it's not just for craziness sake, like you just said, Jeff. It is looking for, and I'll just go back to the mom and sitting in the carpool, is, you know, maybe it is a calm moment, the calm before the storm. Mm-hmm. If you've <clears throat> ever picked up kids, <laughs> yours or others, had them get in the car from a day of school or a drop-off, 
you might need that moment of let me get a little peace here mm-hmm. or let me get myself up a little bit before I have to go to my next event. I think finding the problem mm-hmm. and then helping a client or a customer, I mean a consumer, define it the most emotive way, that's, we heard a lot of that from our from our guests this year. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. Which was, was, was kind of neat that they all sort of talked about it in different ways too. I'm going to take a pivot on that real quick. Because we often talked about the consumer, their customer, the tension, their problem. But I think we also heard from an innovation point of view, back to your point about culture, is it trying to get ideas through mm-hmm. an internal lens? That was a whole other set of problems, wasn't it? Right. Absolutely. And it's one. Of, it's actually it's a great segue, which is one of the, my other favorite moments was David Weaver. He, he said, don't put someone inside the machine that's trying – to break the machine. And it goes to that idea of what innovators deal with all day long internally as they're trying to do their thing. Whether it's a small company, whether it's here at Brado where it's 50 people or it's 5,000 people, we're constantly trying to break the machine in some way. And there is there are political consequences that we as innovators face every day for those decisions and, and, those, and those thoughts. And so listening to people, how they navigated that and, and were willing to fight through it and do what they felt was right against those odds was really just inspiring for me, too. And that was where a lot of that conversations came about salesmanship. Right. You know, not only right. do you have to do that, but you have to sell it because they have to believe you. I mean, you're speaking for their customer in many ways. Right. You're the one, the only one speaking. You're the voice of the consumer in many ways. So you don't sell that. Nobody is going to buy it. Nobody else is going to take it. Diana, I I meant to ask you this. I mean, you spent, and Jeff, you did too. uh, You both spent time at AB, right? Working in, you know, bringing a lot of brand messages, you know, to life through advertisement, through packaging, through new products. And speaking about some of those cultures, not to like bring up companies we've worked with in the past and say, these are problems that they had. These are issues that they had. But, you know, you worked at Nestle, you've worked there, you've worked here, just from your own personal experience, and not just at other companies, but also as consultants. Do you find that you have to navigate carefully the halls of those different companies to find out which is the right trigger or the right key to get the ideas sold? Does it, is it different for every company? Wow, that's a good, that's a that's a deep question. Um, I, I don't... I don't know if you have to navigate the halls, but I think you have to be able to, just like you do in innovation, to be able to read the situation. I mean, (laughs) you have to understand who you're talking to. No matter if it's internal or external, you have to understand. You have to get to know them. You have to get in the trenches. You know, uh, that that was something that, that Rose talked about in her anthropological point of view. But you got to get in the trenches. And, and Mitch alluded to the, you know, the frat house environment of, mm-hmm. of being in a beer company and being a woman in the beer company. And I can speak to that. In fact, it, there was a time when they put all the women in, in innovation. It's like they didn't quite know what to do with us, so they put us all in innovation, and 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 it was quite an interesting thing. Uh, but again, you you adjust and you work, and that doesn't mean you're not being sincere. Mm-hmm. It means you understand and you comprehend, and you talk to them 
in a meaningful way. And using the language that they would use. Exactly. You're nodding your head on that, Jeff. That's sort of the same similar or mindset there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's less about finding the keys and about finding the the right people. Oh, Because yeah. you, can go to a, you can go to a particular department, just say it's R&D, and you're going to have a bunch of no-but kind of people, and you're going to ha- – the trick is to find those few that are yes-and people. Find them, and they'll take you where you need to go, right? So yeah. – I also think the culture at different organizations is very different. At Anheuser-Busch, it was very different than it was at Nestle. People at Anheuser-Busch, everybody lined up and said, let's figure out how to make this happen. And, and we have would, fun. Right. Let's have fun. And we that will, was mandatory. Right. We will move heaven and earth to make something happen. It's, it's really interesting, too, is that I think that you both talk about understanding the situation that you're in and then finding those peak, those people. And I think other somebody in our group said, you know, the crazy ones. You got to <laughs> find right. Matt. Matt talked about you looking for – and now he was talking about finding somebody who could help moderate for the filament. But it was the same mentality. Is you got to find right. that yes and. Yes and in some cases is some version of crazy. It is some version of crazy. And no matter what department you're in. Even if you're in the most linear thinking department, there is a crazy there. <laughs> Which I think we found all the crazies. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what, this is the interesting thing to me is that um, I, the other thing, and I'm going to go to break on this one, but I think it's sort of something that stood out to me was I felt like inherently the people we interviewed were sort of like what I think we just described is that we went and found those other characters who collected personalities and caricatures of getting stuff done and doing different types of things is the, they were all collectors of crazy people and not, not just crazy in a bad or, or an outlandish way, but an, a really interesting way. I mean, and that's another common piece that really stood out to me from this was that everybody was infinitely interested in people. Mm-hmm. So you're listening Absolutely. to Innovation Insiders. Uh, I'm here with Diane and Jeff. We are the innovation team at Brado. Uh, we're going to go uh, to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the innovator's confession. Talk a little bit about some of those things we heard that really stood out to us and some of those tantalizing confessions that we received. So stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in-depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Grotto's Innovation Sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Brado, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net, B-R-A-D-O dot net. 
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit brado.net. Again, that's B-R-A-D-O.net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Uh, I am here with Jeff and Diane. We are uh, part of the innovation team here at Brado. And when we were going to break, we were going to talk about uh, what has typically been our last segment of the show, which is the innovator's confession. Uh, Diane, before we get into that, I want to talk about the birth of this thing. Ah, yes. Is that when we, Diane has helped, as, as Jeff has, uh, producing the show throughout this season. But when we set it up, I think this was your baby. For was, the confession? Yeah, talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm a Vanity Fair magazine junkie. <laughs> I mean, I do everything online, but I have to have my Vanity Fair magazine. In print. In print, in my hand. It's beautiful thing. So, at the very end, the last thing they do on the last page of the episode is called a Proust questionnaire. Mm. And it's standard questions. There are like 30 questions that they ask their guest Guess. And um, same questions, but I never miss it. And I thought, what an effective, fun way to do it and to see if there's differences, see if there's similarities. And boy, did we get some surprises. Yeah. Yeah. This was been one of my favorite sections. And matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to hold it up right there so you can't see it on the radio. But for <laughs> what we're filming, this has been the sheet. It started off with eight questions, right? Now, just to kind of set the stage on this was a nine minute Segments, the shortest segment typically in the show, never got through five questions. I mean, honestly, always got stalled, like always got stalled. Uh, but it was some of my favorite moments from you know the conversations we had. So I'm going to start with Jeff. Jeff, what was one of your best or top confessions I think, that you heard? I think one of my top confessions was was or that you know we talked about what what's going to catch us off guard in the next five years, right. and and one of the things that that I took away from that was that idea of, of returning to personal connections. Well, take mine. <laughs> well, good. Then we, we can collaborate I'll just as innovators here. should do on, on this. But that idea of returning to personal connections, I think we're in a world that is so hyper-connected in, in technology in good ways and in bad, mm-hmm. and that we've lost that just human, physical, biological need to be with other people and that there was a lot of that conversation that happened throughout these interviews where people talked about creating empathy and getting back to those personal connections, whether it was delivering products that way, learning that way, or testing or iterating that way, it was back to that personal piece. Agree. And to sort of like segue off of that, one of the things that um, Rose talked about was just the return to common courtesy. Right. You know, to talking to people, to have customer service. And if you think about uh, brands like American Express, who always prides themselves on you will get a human being, although lately I'm not so sure. (laughs) But anyhow, they have always hung their hat on something like that. You will get a human being. So they, I don't know if they were ahead of the game or it's just something that they've always offered, but it fits into where what they were saying about common courtesy, about humanity, um, in-person connections, which is really good if you're uh, 
facilitators like us. Yeah. Well, and what's <laughs> funny is the tech companies know this because how many of us are getting the robocalls now on our cell phones and you answer it and the person on the other end sounds so incredibly real. It takes 10 seconds before you actually <laughs> right. realize right. you're talking to an AI bot <laughs> and you're not talking to a human being or at least all right, there's my confession is I think I'm talking to a real person <laughs> for the first 10 seconds. Which, but it tells me that the technology companies understand that that personal connection has to be there. And they've worked really hard to create it. Is, are, you the, are you the kind of kid who, were you the kind of kid who used to call the bank for time and temperature <laughs> just to hear the voice? Well, yeah, but there was also one that you got sports scores from. Ah, honestly, I'm not from that. I'm from a small town. I'm not sure I'm from that small. <laughs> I actually <laughs> kind of miss that. I remember. Time and temp. Time and temp. Yeah. I ask Siri. Every day, what the weather is. I like the voice. I like to, uh, to the personal connection. I like, and I, by the way, I've changed Siri's voice, so I don't have that annoying. I apologize TV. to our audience for these pathetic individuals. <laughs> <laughs> How sad you two oh, are. Oh, yeah, we're sad. I like it. Here's my counter to that. Yeah. Is that I absolutely agree that's what I heard from our interviews. But I think built into that, is the zig when everybody else is zag sort of mentality. Mm. Is that I think in the realm of big data, you just talked about NLP, natural language processing, and AI and all that, you know, tech coming into real personalization. I think innovators naturally go, what's happening over there? I'm going to look to the left. Everybody else is staring right. And I think, and I think, by the way, that's the reason they're in the job they're in, is that they are constantly going, it can't all just be, you know, right here. There's got to be a counter to right. it as well. And yet they all, a lot of them complemented the idea about nowadays the amount of data available is phenomenal and very helpful. Agreed. Agreed. You they know, weren't anti-tech at all. As a tool to support no, no, what we no, do. No, they weren't right. anti-tech at all. I, but I, I agree with you. I think that the idea of personalization, of real people being involved uh, is sort of ironic when you think about 7 billion plus people on the planet and something that catches us off guard is real relationships. Mm. And that catches us off, off guard, but it was, you know, sort of revolutionary. Mm-hmm. And, well, and it also comes back to the fact that at the end of the day, the real human being is the one that's going to lay down a credit card and buy whatever it is. Yeah. Technology is never going to buy things from one another. Or will they? Or will, that's right. Okay, Hal. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Diane's got her tinfoil hat on. I'm looking the other way. Right. You're zigging and zagging. I am. So uh, one of the things that I also want to touch base on this, and some one of the questions we asked that I thought netted out on some pretty interesting and differentiated results was what are the top three words to describe an innovative individual? Now, for me, I heard things like disruptive. Uh, continuous improvement, which mm. is not one word, but I think we gave them some license to do those things. I, I expected to hear some of the same terms over and over, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like we really did. No. Um, and in fact, I had some things here like fearless. Mm-hmm. Go after that idea, sell it. When you get a no, turn it around, redress it, and get it back out there. You know, that plays into the persistent or the passionate. In fact, Rose said, you have to have the energy to keep running even when they have billy clubs and they want to beat your head in. <laughs> so how, how great is that? And bullheaded, moving the needle forward. To be the first through the door, you always get the worst of it. She, you know, it's interesting <clears throat> when I heard Rose, you know, think about, and I think somebody else said courageous. 
was another word, mm. you know, to put a cap on that. And, you know, to hear you guys talk about being the person who's selling that, the, the same, you know, thing that I've heard Mitch say, but you guys talked about it on your own careers, knowing that selling an idea requires a little bit of sticking your neck out. There. I mean, not a little bit, a lot. And so, you know, somebody talked about the first person off the cliff, mm-hmm. you know, wait <laughs> to see what happens to them. Right. Uh, to me, it sounds, it feels like a lot of the personality pieces that are required to be an innovative individual is a willingness to go it alone sometimes. Mm. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, you know, I, there's the three P's of marketing. And for me, there were the three P's of innovation as I went through those. And it was, you know, about being passionate, about being positive and about being persistent, which is you have to believe in what you're doing. You're half, you're going to have to fight through the bad days to get to the good and you have to keep going and don't let anybody stop mm-hmm. you. And so, like, those three Ps to me felt like they kind of summed up a lot of what we were hearing about those personalities and, and who the who they were. And one of my personal favorites from, from Rose, I think we have a lot in common, is to be open. <laughs> I think you she want said to have a lot in common, don't you? I think so. She said you'll never age if you stay open. I'm 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 glomming onto that. I, I'm liking that. It's it it is interesting to me, and, I, and I'll, I'm going to peel back a little bit. And we could, I could talk about your two careers and the things that you guys have helped create, uh, but that piece that you just mentioned uh, lends me to a kind of a conversation about Rose. Is and I've mentioned this in the show, but Rose actually had a couple articles written about her as knowing men better than men know themselves. Right. And I think to my career, I know for you, Jeff, I know with you as well, is that we've all helped create or dig into brands that had we have no connection or correlation with. And, uh, you know, and I mean, I know I helped (laughs) work on products for feminine care and I honestly should not even be in the aisle for that. I don't have any idea what's going on. But when I think about those kinds of words they identified and that curiosity and you'll be ever young, it seems to me that this is the kind of profession that requires you to be kind of dumb when you start about a product or a process and then be willing to learn and face stupidity over and over again until you might have a clue. And fail. And Okay. And, yeah, and fail, too. And another word be humble. Oh, yeah. They said, you know, you have to be willing to realize that you may not have all the answers. Right. Or you may go in with a hypothesis. How many times have you worked with people or yourself where you go in and you go, oh, yeah, I got this figured out. And then you go, whoa, WTH, where did yeah. this come from? Yeah. Okay, I'm listening. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love, I just love that. I mean, that's one, if there's, if I could boil it down into three traits and I won't, but I, I would. One of those pillars would be humility. And I think as a uh, a cocky salesman innovator, it's something that con- I have a contrast with. Is that part of me wants to walk in and go, got the answer. Come on, get on with me. Let's go. And the other part of me goes, I don't have a damn clue. <laughs> I don't have no idea. What do you guys think? I, you know, to me, I heard that come across in the radio. Is that people are like, it's two hand, two full, you know, two sides of the brain going yes, no, contrast. I don't know, maybe. Right. It's the old no one to hold them, no one to fold them. Because sometimes <laughs> you may have to fold them or put it on the shelf 
you may bring it back later. Yeah. And it may be a big hit, but you have to be able, again, read the room, read the cards, read and understand what's going well, but the, on. Right. And the key is to be okay with either of those scenarios. Mm-hmm. Right. Isn't it funny is that, you know, when I think about this is that you think about all the other jobs you could have in marketing and, and a lot of them require you to be very strategic and very forward thinking and planning and planning and planning. I can't think of another job where you have to be as present as you do to be an innovator. It's funny you say that. We used to have this conversation all the time when I when I was at Nestle in our innovation group. And the conversation was, once people got onto the innovation group and spent a couple of years doing that, the idea of going back to brand management was just horrific for them. Like, I've gone and I've seen this and done this, and going back to that, while I enjoyed it at some point, I don't want to do it anymore. All right, so this has been just a fanatic. I love this conversation. we got to go to break. When I come back, I mean, what's our next section, Diane? What are we our next about? section is uh, advice. What's advice. your parting advice? All right, so we're going to come back. Uh, you're listening to Innovation Insiders. I'm here with Jeff and Diane. Stick around. We'll be right back, and we're going to talk about some advice and then eventually get to some next steps for you, the listener. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in-depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Brado's Innovation Sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Brado, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net, B-R-A-D-O.net. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit brado.net. Again, that's B-R-A-D-O.net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Innovation Insiders. I am your incredibly talented host, Andy. <laughs> humble. 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 Right. humble, lowly. Andy Ford with two lesser thans, Jeff Barry and Diane Ow. Schumacher. Uh, actually, um, this is the, the, the final show of this pilot season. And when we sat down two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and started talking about themes, what we heard, you know, what are our next steps, one of the things that we decided was, you know, what's your parting advice, mm-hmm. right? And so 
I'm not going to start because I love my parting advice. It's not mine, but I got it from somebody else. But I am going to go to Diane. Mm. Diane, what? With you know, you're out there, the listeners who are, or maybe they're watching us on YouTube. What would be your advice from all the interviews you heard? My advice is, you know, if you listen to any of them or to this, it seems like a lot of fun. But, you know, this may not be for you. You may actually suck at this. (laughs) And maybe you just have to say, okay, I'm going somewhere else. Because you have to be, we talked about some of these words, thick skin. I'm talking about the negative now because we've talked about some of the great part. But not a quitter passionate, courageous, but most importantly, empathetic Mm. for your target, especially, whether internally or externally, um, you have to really have some love of them. Mm. Um, I forget, I got to find this one quote, but but Brody said, you know, I love people, I love puzzles, I love problems. And I thought that was awesome. Very it, yeah. That's not your quote, is it? No, no, no. no he no. had the three P's earlier. He okay. talked about. But I like the people, the problems, and the puzzles. And I want to build on mm. that. And one of those things that I, it's just not for everybody. And I think one of the main reasons it's not for everybody is because it's messy. That's right. Yeah, it beats you up. It's it's yeah. like being an actress. Well, I mean, think about the number of projects where you know, I just you know I won't even mention client names from from our point of view. But you just can't walk in and say we're going to repeat process A. No, it's a complete, I mean, you know, depending on who's in the halls, the consumer that we're talking to, the issues that we're facing, and we may need to break something, fail, stand back up and go, man, that was a pilot that didn't work. Right. And some people don't, I'm pointing, (laughs) some people can't handle that. People like the idea of this is the process I go through. Yep. And that that process begets an outcome. You know, when I go speak on innovation, my very last slide has a straight line and then in the middle it's like a million little circles just jumbled all over the place and then it finishes with the straight line hmm. and i just try and leave my audience with the idea that this is what innovation will feel like if you're doing it correctly this <laughs> is what it will feel like to you it's not going to be point a to point b it's not a linear process and if you assume that it is you've probably done something wrong or right. you haven't pushed hard enough right so that's how it's going to be. It might not be incredibly comforting for all of our clients if they came in and we said, hey, guys, guess what? It's probably going to get messy before it gets better. In all honesty, you have to have that personality that's willing to say, I don't know. Let me talk and find out what people want, and then we're going to try something and then move forward. Yeah. And I, But to counter that a little bit, I think we find positivity in that, too, because like we run a drill called chaos when we do automation. And people like that drill. Yeah. It gives them permission to get messy in the middle. Yeah, we've done that a couple times where it, it seems like even the words you use and say chaos is that people go, okay, well, there's my license. I'm going to go out and try it. Right. right. It gives okay. me permission. Jeff, your parting advice. So my parting advice after listening to all this was I just said, hey, you, you're going to have to be Optimus Prime, like that transformer. And and I think, you know, we all learn something every or I try and learn something from every day and every interaction I, I have. And from all these innovators, I learned about myself that I have to be transformative throughout the course of any project, throughout the course of my life as an innovator, that I have to be creative one moment and then I have to be, you know, linear the next. And then I have to transform into a salesman who who can speak eloquently about an idea and bring it to the masses in a way 
I hadn't really contemplated before we did this show, and it was just really clear to me. So my advice to everybody is be prepared to be Optimus Prime and transform throughout your, your career as an innovator and throughout every project and throughout every day that you go through this. That it's a, I mean, I think that's great advice. I mean, both these pieces, I thought when you said Optimus Prime, you were going to say you need to make shitty movies like Obey. <laughs> no, no. Good. I'm glad that was not your advice. No, make millions like you did. <laughs> yeah. I would like by by making. That's uh, the upside. That's the upside. That's right. Of that. It's interesting, though, I think about that, that Optimus Prime piece. Uh, and I... When I tell people and they ask what I do like for a living, it's, I, I don't know about you guys, but if you're an innovator and people ask you what you do, mm-hmm. if you actually tell them what you do, you're, typically you get one or two responses. I didn't know that was a job. <laughs> was one, I get. I didn't know that you could do that for a living. Mm-hmm. And number two, it is, what you mean like, like who, what? Like for big companies? You, you do focus groups? Yeah, like you help what, you know? And so... I, my job is, you know, my title says innovation. And that word means so many things to so many people is that I often find myself really describing who I am by describing what I don't do sometimes, you know, and it's looking for that opportunity to say, no, this is where we capitalize on a shift in culture or a need to understand or a movement toward, you know, X, Y, or Z. And, and yes, that's something you can actually do and be moldable. You got to be ready to roll. Uh, so my advice, and this actually came from a direct quote from Ruben Alcarez, uh, who works at Purina, and he talked about himself and his own pursuits, and his recommendation, more or less, to, to other people was to weaponize your curiosity. Hmm. And I immediately, not to pander, but I immediately thought about, uh, I mean, one of our owners, Bob. Bob talks about following his dreams and pursuits and always wanting to be relevant and always meaningful and what he's doing and thought and I think about like the what we do and how we do it and if you can weaponize your curiosity that innate need to fill a niche or become somebody new or do something this could be a career for you somehow well and if you think about how we started with one of these questions we were how did we get here yeah God knows how I got here. <laughs> I mean, I, I was a theater major who decided I'm never going to make it. <laughs> so I did, well, I'll work for a big company. That'll be fun. So I went in there and then I start looking around and listening to these people who were creating all this stuff. And I thought, you know, I think I like this. I think I can do this. And I had this great mentor who threw me a bone, John Newbold. I will thank you forever. And it was like, they gave me O'Doul's because nobody wanted it. And I took it, and the next thing you know, I went into other brands, went into innovation, went into international, which is like a whole other can of worms mm-hmm. when you're talking about difference, different things to do. But, you know, don't not open your eyes mm-hmm. to what's available out there and what it's all about. I never would have thought I would have ended up here. I think that to that point, it, this is not for everybody, but I think it is for, and I'm not going to say the bold, because I'm not trying to build up our careers like we're out there, you know, exploring the known universe, uh, but it's not for the meek. No. And I will say is that, you know, from the 11 conversations we've had, there one, cons- not just one, but a consistent theme is those people couldn't put a point at the beginning of their career 
and draw a direct correlation to where they are today. They all got there through various ways and means and methodologies. And my argument is, I don't know if you find this job or this job finds you. Mm. That's an interesting point. I think if I think it finds you. You know, if I look back on my career and how I ended up in, in innovation, it was by happenstance <laughs> at some level. I was, you know, that orthodoxy breaker and ended up being <laughs> sidelined away from those orthodoxies and found my home in with the island of misfit toys who could do those same, those same things. You know, it's funny, though, is that I, I really enjoyed sort of this reflective conversation that we have had looking back at these, you know, interviews uh, with these 11, you know, really unique individuals. Um, and I, I've thought a lot about, like, my kids, or you could, you'll talk to kids in college, right? And we were talking about this the other day. I've had moments where somebody said, hey, would you come talk to these college kids? Honestly, one of my least favorite things to do. Mm. Like, literally... Just this personal, don't like talking to people who have nothing to lose. Mm. I really enjoy talking to a group of people who have money on the line. They're, they need you know, the brand to deliver something new and different. When you're sitting there pie in the sky and the world is your oyster, you don't give a shit. You don't care enough to get scared into something. It's like my dad used to say, my dad was a pastor, he said, you can never reach anybody at a wedding, but you can hit everybody at a funeral. (laughs) (laughs) So I think about that the same way, is that you've got to have some level of investment. And that might be the part about the job that we didn't hear that I really wish we could have dive in more, is that when you find a brand has got nothing to lose or everything to lose, those are pivotal moments mm. for innovation. You guys don't agree, disagree? But don't parfait your way out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Can't parfait your way out of it. Uh, I can. Well, I can remember a very specific moment in my career where somebody was asking me what I wanted to do next. And it was right after, if you recall, Toyota had this massive recall mm. and this huge PR problem maybe a decade ago. And I said to the person across the table, I said, I want to go work for Toyota. And they looked at me like, are you crazy? And I said, no, this is... This is an incredible opportunity to help a brand overcome a challenge like none other. Who wouldn't want to be part of that? And the answer is probably most. (laughs) But I also think it's an opportunity where you may find that the majority of people are willing to take risks. Right. Where sometimes if everything's going along great and you're you're kind of playing with with the what you're going to do with the brand, you got to be careful. You know, it should it be a font? Should it be you know, block? Should it be little little tweaks? But it's when you've got nothing to lose, people are willing to go. Let's try it. Yeah. What the yeah. heck? I and and Brody Dunn said this. He said innovation is survival. Mm. It and, is. And I talked about it in the last show more or less, but. To that point, I think that my parting advice, and I would absolutely 100% agree with, you know, this might not be for you. And Diane, I should have ended with you. I should have started with, you know, what Jeff, you know, started about that idea. We have to give them hope. (laughs) I like the idea, though, is that if you find yourself desiring this level of uh, career or this type of career, I do feel like it's not like being a statistician. It's not like being a computer programmer or somebody who has to learn a very special set of skills that you can go somewhere and pick up. These set of skills, I think, come inherently with a personality and a disposition. Mm. I think that's 
Absolutely true. Yeah. So, all right, we've got one final section. When we come back, we've got uh, next steps. Uh, You're an innovator and you uh, are looking to rework your own career or you work for a company and you are trying to find a way to change your perspective internally on what that innovation means. Jeff, Diane, and I have spent a lot of time thinking about this. We work in this field, and we've got some great next steps for you. You're listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. Stick around. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. The Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in-depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Grotto's Innovation Sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Brado, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insights, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net, B-R-A-D-O.net. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit brado.net. Again, that's B-R-A-D-O dot net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, Innovation Insiders. Sitting here with Diane and Jeff. We are uh, talking about this pilot season. And so we've had quite a few episodes and some really great conversations uh, with a lot of killer, I mean killer, (laughs) wonderful clients. I shouldn't listen to so much true crime and then come on here and do the show (laughs) because I'm going to start talking about killers. You know what was a surprise to me, and I'm going to say this before we move on to these next steps, was it's very difficult to have a conversation with someone in corporate America in an open, honest environment when you record it. Do you know, I mean, like when we start thinking about like the hoops that some of our guests needed to go through, and and, and I understand why. I, I mean, I really do. But it was as innocuous as the questions we were asking were, and as general. And it's still, I mean, you've got to be pretty careful because it's a pretty litigious mm. environment. You guys can be in. Does that that didn't surprise you guys as much as I guess it surprised me? No, because we worked in right, big corporations where you had to have media training and you had to make sure legal went through everything before you opened your mouth. So, no. It, I, yeah. Well, and if I can build on that, and I think that's why you're seeing a a, a movement towards 
these smaller these companies that will pull an innovation group outside of a big mothership of an organization mm. and allow them to operate as a as a startup kind of entity mm. without those like a skunk works really yeah with without those those shackles on them so that they can operate in the way that's necessary to 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 speak crazy to do crazy to express crazy and still be tethered to the mothership but outside of it with the absolute intention at some point to come back inside. And so it, it allows them to do that. It, I, I got I to gotta say this. This is current and relevant to the news. Is you guys know one of the most interesting restaurants in America, or really in the world, in the last five years has been Moto in Chicago. Right Now, this was a place where the chef, and I'm going to butcher his name, so I won't even try. He, he's, he's passed away. Uh, but you could eat your menu. Like the menu was actually printed on a tortilla, like a, some kind of crazy with edible ink. And then he would show up and it literally had a plate that looked like roadkill, but it was delicious. And it was like just meant to look like it's something that had been run over. He actually created like multiple inventions. He's got pat had patents. His goal was to feed the world for free out of a restaurant in Chicago. He passed away, died. All those chefs... Silicon Valley. They're out there at startups. To your point about being outside the system is that they got didn't just go like find jobs. Jobs found them, brought that level of innovation right. out to Silicon Valley and is now trying to reinvent whatever. I don't know. My question to you guys is, are there pockets of that innovation that you think are happening around the world? And if they are... Where are they? Well, I think Silicon Valley is probably the biggest example because you go to a Google campus, it's not the campus of corporate America, okay. even though it is a campus. Right. You know, it's a whole different culture. It's a whole different vibe. And I think they're not under the same restrictions. Although it's kind of interesting watching what's happening with Facebook because I think they're <laughs> right in the okay, yeah they're right in the middle of probably deciding what the hell are we going to do with ourselves? Yeah. So it might be, inter- you know, watch this space. Yeah. You're thinking about something like that. That's interesting. I don't know, Jeff, any takeaway from, from you on this? Yeah, I mean, having to spend time with a lot of these, I mean, when it's talking about tech, there's kind of these three or four centers, obviously Silicon Valley, but but Israel is become known as a tech hub hmm. for folks. Oh, uh, uh, the Research Triangle. Who's there, Who's there? And, uh, that we were just talking about? Uh, Waze, right? Right. It's an Israeli company. Yeah. And there's a ton of tech coming out of there. If you look at the Research Triangle in Raleigh, mm. huge you know, tech space there. Yeah. Uh, Intel runs their, or Cisco, I think it is, runs their iPrize annually, and it, that's where it's held. Austin's got some of that vibe going on. Mm. Yeah. You know, so yes, Silicon Valley, but there's an awful lot of other places too. You know what? The other thing is really interesting to me too is uh, maker spaces. That's one of those pieces that I just find is it, some of my favorite people to go, you know, deal with, talk with, try to find to be uh, folks we want to involve in ideation. Is you've got those people who like to hack everyday items mm. into other items. I, I just find that is the perfect sort of scenario where you get a lot of make it, break it, try it, repeat, and move on. Can we talk about that for a second? Because because one of the things we haven't talked at all about throughout the series is this idea of prototyping and innovators constantly prototyping and, and doing things. And I think it's important from an advice standpoint to say, hey, 
when you're prototyping something, that doesn't mean you're trying to build this high fidelity, fully functional thing. If you can take two popsicle sticks and a super ball and glue them together in some way, enough that it represents an idea. What? what? I don't know. <laughs> to represent something that you're trying to communicate. I'm so in. Right? Yeah. Yes. Right. So, I mean, well, you think about this, the, the shit that we've done with Play-Doh. That's right. And so, but I think, I think one of, you know, a lot of times innovators go, well, I got to build this thing. Nah, no, 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 no. Like, literally, give it to your six-year-old. And have them create it for you. And you, as long as you can communicate what it is to a consumer to build on, that's where you need to start. Or go find a six-year-old. Right. And pull him in the street, off the street. Right. And then, you know, you should probably tell his parents, hey, so uh, we're moving toward the end of this segment. And we, and I, I started this by saying we we're going to have some advice. Right. Now, there's two things that we talked about from an advice point of view. And I think we actually have some next steps and recommendations that are coming out of our pilot season, which this, this is not the end of Innovation Insiders. This was just the pilot season. And these conversations were so valid that they're actually going to become other pieces of learning. And Diane, we have something for individuals. And then Jeff's going to talk a little bit about uh, an item that we have for organizations. Uh, starting with a white paper. And kind of the thinking behind it was to create this document that can be shared. So it's going to be kind of our gift to you, if you will. Um, It's designed really for anybody who's curious or maybe already in the innovation trenches. Um, Maybe you want to represent yourself as a thought leader in your company. Maybe this is something you could use as a tool. Um, Ultimately become an annual resource as this process moves forward. But my biggest challenge right now is to keep it under a thousand pages because (laughs) there was so much wisdom, if you will, um, you know, to find the commonalities, but yet the spectrum of these nuggets of brilliance um, that just might work for your organization, our organization, anybody out there listening. So, so it, that's going to be happening. I mean, in the next really few weeks. That yeah, I'll together, get on it. Andy. Together, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and look for an email that's going to be coming out with that information in it. Uh, if you don't have an email, I can't encourage you enough right now to send us an email. We'll add you to that list. It's innovation at brado.net. And we'll put you on that list for that white paper. But we're also, we'll include you in that consideration for something that would help maybe your organization. Jeff, talk a little bit about that if you don't mind. Right. So innovation at brado, B-R-A-D-O dot net. Um, send us an email so that we can add you to that list when we start communicating. You know, one of the other things we, we know and we've heard from these things is, you know, being an innovator is kind of being on an island sometimes. And it's really nice to have confirmation or somebody to come in and say, hey, let me help bring this message and make sure that people understand the nuances of what an innovator is all about. So we're we're creating a workshop that, that we're happy to help come and run on site with you called Breaking Orthodoxies and Creating Opportunities, where we'll take some of the things we've learned from here and we'll help you challenge your own organization to think differently about what innovators do how they do it, and what they're trying to accomplish in the end. And so, so send us that email, and we'll get you on that, on that, uh, on that list when we send out our, our blast about this, this great workshop that we're putting together. You know, go ahead, Jack. Go ahead, Jack. Well, it reminds me of something that Mitch said when she said, you know, if, if, you, have an age, if you have a culture that's a little bit apprehensive on this, she goes, blame it on, blame it on the agency. <laughs> so we bring this in, we'll do this workshop, yeah. blame it on us, and we'll push the envelope for you. You know, and I, I got to tell you is that both of these resources are, <clears throat> are free 
for us. I mean, we are uh, the, the workshop is free limited. I mean, there's only so many of those that we're really going to do just based on workflow and other things. But this white paper uh, is I mean, going to be a resource. And, you know, by the way, all three of us work in innovation. Our guests have come on for free and given us of their time and attention. And we just feel like it's a better gift to everybody if they can share of this learning and this knowledge. So I want to thank you, uh, Jeff. Thank you for joining me, Diane. Thank you for being a part of this process. Uh, you've been listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. Once again, you can reach us at innovation at brado.net. Love to hear from you, and we'll include you in all of our future correspondences. Until we talk again, have a great day. Thank you for listening this week to Innovation Insiders with Grotto Creative Insight. Please join host Andy Ford again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, innovate.